How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Arm Scholar Podcast. In this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about three major things that happened this last week in the Second Amendment world. The first thing we're going to be talking about in this episode is a bill that was introduced into Congress, and it essentially aims to ban almost everything nationwide. It has a rifle ban, a magazine ban, a suppressor ban, a 10-day waiting period, actually a seven-day waiting period, and a bunch of other purchase restrictions, including a national permit system where you would have to get a permit to purchase farms going forward. So this is a nasty piece of national gun control that has now been introduced into Congress. The next thing we're going to be talking about is an update on the Illinois suppressor freedom case. Essentially, this case aims to deregulate suppressors in the state of Illinois so that people could finally purchase NFA items in the state of Illinois because right now Illinois has a suppressor ban. So we have an update on that case. And then the last thing we are going to be talking about in this episode of the podcast in this weekly recap is the current status of a bunch of lawsuits also in Illinois, which are a challenge to the Protect Illinois Communities Act or PICA. And if you're not aware, PICA is a new state ban in Illinois that bans the purchase and possession of rifles and magazines going forward. There's also a looming registration deadline that takes effect in January 2024. So there's a lot of urgency with this case. This case went up to Supreme Court for Supreme Court consideration for some emergency injunctions. And so we have an update on what the Supreme Court did in these cases. So let's jump into first what Congress has introduced a new national gun control bill. Now, real quick, before we transition into what is happening, I wanna thank one of the main sponsors of this podcast, which is Blackout Coffee. Blackout Coffee has amazing coffee and they're huge Second Amendment supporters. They have dedicated roasts for organizations like GOA and FBC. So if you purchase some of those roasts, not only are you getting amazing coffee, but you are supporting the 2A cause. So check them out. I will leave a link down in the description section. You can simply just go to blackoutcoffee.com. And then if you use the code armscholar, you can get 10% off of your order. A new national gun control bill has now been introduced, and it's probably the worst bill that I've ever seen. This bill is called the Gun Violence Prevention and Community Safety Act of 2023. It has been introduced by the typical anti-gun crew that we know, Elizabeth Warren, and then also Hank Johnson. This bill is 281 pages of pure unconstitutional BS, and it includes everything that an anti-gun person would ever want. Pretty much any gun control law that's ever existed or they ever want to push at a national level is included in this bill. And what's interesting is this bill comes on the heels of the Go Safe Act, which was recently shot down and went down in flames this last week. If you're not aware, the Go Safe Act was another bill that was attempting a national rifle magazine ban, and it failed unanimous consent in the Senate and has little chance of passing right now. But in response, the anti-gunners decided to double down and put together a bill that is a comprehensive attack on the Second Amendment. Now, when I say this bill has every anti-gun law, I absolutely mean that. It has a national ban on so-called assault weapons, a ban on magazines, a national seven-day waiting period, suppressor bans, a national permit to purchase, uh, bans on private party sales and transfers, enhanced age restrictions, a national red flag law, bans on 3D printing and, and polymer 80s and things like that, and so many other items that I can't even think of them off the top of my head. Just think about any other gun control law that's ever existed. It's probably in this bill. So let's go through some of the things that's included in this bill, and then we need to talk about what you guys need to do, what you, the viewers, need to do to stop this bill. So first, there is this requirement where you would need to get a permit nationally at a national level or maybe a state equivalent that you would have to obtain to be able to purchase firearms and ammunition going forward. The bill states that 
except as otherwise provided in this section, it shall be unlawful for any individual who is not licensed under this section to knowingly purchase, acquire, or possess a firearm or ammunition. So this is a national permit that you would have to have to purchase firearms and ammunition. And this runs directly contrary to what the Supreme Court recently said in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin decision. To obtain this national permit, you will need to be at least 21 years of age, go through a written and range test. So there's going to be a test requirement. You would also need to go through a background check and a bunch of other requirements, along with also paying fees that are attached to getting this permit. You know, that alone, this national permit to purchase firearms and ammunition, that alone on its own would probably make this bill unconstitutional, does make this bill unconstitutional, and would warrant this bill being absolutely struck down. But that is only within the first few pages of this bill. There is so many other things that's included in this. Then they go on to push for the so-called universal background check. Essentially, this is simply a restriction on private party transactions. Under this bill, it will be required that all transfers will have to go through an FFL and a background check will need to be run on the purchaser. This will also trigger the mandatory national seven-day waiting period. And of course, you will also still have to show that you have that national permit to purchase that is also going to be mandated through this bill. Now, since I mentioned that seven-day waiting period um, in this section of the bill, again, there is that mandatory seven-day waiting period. The bill will require that a mandatory seven-day waiting period uh, is in place from the time that you purchase a firearm. You will have to wait seven days, um, exactly seven days to the minute before you take possession of that firearm. Or I don't think it applies to the ammunition, but at least for the firearm. And again, that also would apply to these private party transactions. Essentially, they're copying what California did with their 10-day waiting period, but they're just simply going to make it seven days at a national level. Then in the next section of the bill, it moves on to beef up the federal 922G sections of you know, domestic violence restraining orders and those types of prohibitions and other prohibitions under that section. What's interesting about this section is the fact that you know, they would include this in the bill, especially when the Supreme Court has recently heard arguments and will rule on this upcoming year in the Rahimi case that deals directly with the domestic violence restraining order restrictions under federal law. Uh, the indication is that maybe the Supreme Court you know, might strike it down, might find it unconstitutional. We'll have to wait and see. But again, this is interesting that they would include additional language in this bill to try to beef up that section when it's directly in question right now up for Supreme Court review. The next section of the bill then goes on to increase the age to purchase all firearms and ammunition and increases the age for all purchases to 21 years of age. But the tyrants are far from finished from including all the gun control in this bill. They are also introducing a national ban on so-called assault weapons, magazines, and also suppressors. For the rifle ban, in this specific language, they follow the California model where there will be a ban on specific rifles, pistols, and shotguns that have specific accessories and configurations. For example, they define one of the so-called assault weapons, one of the variants of a so-called assault weapon to include a semi-automatic centerfire rifle with a detachable magazine that has one offending feature like a pistol grip, a forward grip, a collapsible stock, or even just a threaded barrel. Any one of those features on a traditional semi-automatic rifle would then make it prohibited and the future sale of that item would be banned. 
Then they also have the classic magazine ban on magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. So right there is your national magazine ban. Think about the states like California that have these magazine capacity limitations that are being challenged, uh, these bans on rifles like California. What they're doing is they're going to copy those models and try to just take it nationally. But then, as I mentioned, they go absolutely full tyrannical and even try to upend the NFA and the laws that we currently have in place on suppressors. This section states that if this bill were to pass, it would be unlawful for a person to import, sell, manufacture, transfer, or possess in or affecting interstate or foreign commerce, a firearm silencer or firearms muffler. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, maybe that's just a prospective ban. Maybe they're gonna grandfather in those suppressors that you already illegally own and have tax stamped and gone through the NFA process. Well, you would be wrong. Nope, they're not going to do that. Under this bill, they include a seizure and forfeiture language, and that's going to be a seizure and forfeiture of firearm silencers and you know, firearms mufflers or whatever they deem to be these so-called silencers, suppressors, whatever you want to call them. Now, like always, they try to fool people and say, well, maybe for the rifle bans and the magazine bans, that's only going to be a prospective ban. We're going to grandfather in some of these items. The bill states that they're going to allow you to keep those rifles and magazines that you already possess. They're going to be grandfathered in as long as you you know, had those transferred to you if you were in possession to, of them before this bill is enacted. But we all know if a bill like this ever passes, it's only a matter of time before they also go after those grandfathered items. Now with this section, you may be asking yourself, if this becomes a law, how will they actually know which rifles and magazines were in your possession prior to the ban? And how will they know which rifles and magazines were made post-ban? Well, this is also going to have a reporting requirement attached to it. And then the bill also includes a marking and identification requirement. It states that any rifle or magazine manufactured after this bill, once it goes into effect, those items will have to include a serial number and also some date identifiers so that they know what items were pre-ban and then what items were post-ban. Now, there's a lot more that's included in this bill, like a national red flag law, uh, bans on polymer 80s, bans on 3D printed items, and just a lot more that's included in this, that again, that national red flag law and a bunch of other things as well. I'm not gonna get into all the minutia of this 281 page gun control, a wet dream essentially. It's just their fantasy about every single piece of legislation they would ever wanna pass. They just decided to throw it all, you know, throw it all in this one bill, you know, threw everything at this, including the kitchen sink and trying to maybe hope that something sticks out of this bill. Now, in reality, they don't have the votes to pass this national gun control law. They struggled to get that rifle magazine ban passed. Uh, you know, it did not get, you know, unanimous consent. That was struck down even just this last week. So something like this, I don't ever see passing. But, you know, that's not going to stop them from trying. Even after they lost this last one, you know, last week, all of a sudden they introduced this one as well. And they're just doubling down on this. I do want to you know, warn everybody. I know a lot of times when this pops up, a lot of people, oh, it never passed. But we have seen some things pass, you know, in the past. We've seen national rifle and magazine bans. And, you know, a lot of people overlook the fact that we've had a federal ban in the past. And then also we know that it just takes one incident for all of a sudden something like this to get a momentum. Remember that after Uvalde, we had multiple rhinos in the House and Senate side with the Democrats to pass the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. That piece of anti-gun legislation has now led to the new ATF rule banning private party sales. They're targeting, you know, the private party transactions. So again, we need to be vocal about this. We can't just sit on our hands and say it's never going to pass. We still have to be active on this. We have to contact our representatives. So that's the call to action. 
contact your representatives, let them know that you do not support this, that they need to shoot it down. And of course, if anything else develops, I will let you guys know. So that's the national gun control bill that has been introduced into Congress. Now let's shift over to what is happening in Illinois with the suppressor freedom case. The cases we're gonna be talking about in this video are Morse v. Raul and then also Anderson v. Raul. These two lawsuits are filed in a federal district court in Illinois and they aim to remove the state ban on the purchase and possession of suppressors. These lawsuits are important because although 42 states permit the ownership of suppressors, there are nine jurisdictions within the U.S. that do not. Again, one of those states being Illinois, and then my own state, which is California, which has a ban on NFA items like suppressors. These two lawsuits in Illinois could be the first in the nation which find that a state's outright ban on NFA items like suppressors is in fact unconstitutional. However, in this case, the state of Illinois is trying to have the case completely thrown out by arguing that suppressors are not arms and therefore they are not protected by the Second Amendment at all. And based on this, the state of Illinois is requesting that the judge in the case grant a judgment on the pleadings in the state's favor and completely throw the case out because they argued there is no position that the plaintiffs can bring to show that suppressors are arms and therefore protected. But a recent pro to a decision in California, two cases are now going to impact what's happening in Illinois with their suppressor lawsuit. The plaintiffs have submitted Judge Benitez's decisions in Miller v. Bonta and Duncan v. Bonta as support to why this case in Illinois is valid and should not be thrown out. In the Anderson lawsuit, the plaintiffs stated that the suppressors at issue in this case are bearable arms in common use for lawful purposes that law-abiding people possess by the millions. They are therefore neither dangerous nor unusual and cannot be banned. This is important because it's well established now that modern arms are in fact protected under the Second Amendment, not just muskets like you hear a lot of the anti-gun side try to argue. In fact, the Supreme Court reiterated that very fact in Bruin. So the argument that Illinois is making that suppressors are not protected since they did not exist at the time of the founding is completely irrelevant. The Supreme Court has rejected those types of arguments in Heller and Bruin, but they are still trying to use that argument to get this case thrown out. The plaintiffs in both of these cases argue that a suppressor is not dangerous and unusual, and the mere ownership of a suppressor cannot constitute the ownership of a dangerous and unusual item. Instead, these are common arms owned by law-abiding people for lawful purposes. And now the state of Illinois has filed a motion for a judgment on the pleadings. The entire motion is based on the state's argument that these cases should be thrown out because suppressors are not arms protected by the text of the Second Amendment. Now, for those not familiar, a motion for a judgment on the pleadings is a motion made under the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. It's a 12C motion. It is used to attack the sufficiency of an opponent's pleadings and the viability of their underlying claims prior to a trial. So it's a motion that it's made prior to a full hearing, and the aim is to completely get the case thrown out. When a court reviews these types of motions, they are limited only to the contents of the party's pleadings and those documents that they attach to those pleadings. If a party wins the motion, then the claims are dismissed by the court and often can prevent a new lawsuit on the same type of claims from being brought. So there is a lot at stake with these types of motions. So the state of Illinois is trying to get the suppressor lawsuit thrown out and prevent any future challenges. Now, in their motion, Illinois argues that plaintiffs raise a Second Amendment challenge to an Illinois law prohibiting the possession of silencers, which are attached to firearms to reduce the noise of gunfire. But the Second Amendment protects only the right to, of the people to keep and bear arms. Silencers are not weapons. They are not used for self-defense. And they are not necessary to the effective use of a firearm. So they are not arms within the meaning of the constitutional text. And thus, plaintiffs cannot prevail 
on their Second Amendment claim. So that is what Illinois is arguing in their motion for judgment on the pleadings to have this case thrown out. They go on to argue that silencers are therefore not arms within the original meaning of the constitutional text. Silencers do not satisfy this definition of arms. A silencer is a firearm accessory. It's not a weapon in itself, nor is it an armor of defense. So that's the state's primary argument that a suppressor cannot be considered an arm under the Second Amendment. It's not considered an arm under the text. It's not an actual firearm. It's not used to project a projectile. It's not a weapon in its own right. It's not used to strike at someone, and therefore it's not protected. They believe a suppressor is simply an accessory that cannot be protected under the Second Amendment. Now, two things on this point. First, the state wants to discard all the other laws, including the NFA itself, which defines and treats a suppressor as an actual firearm and an actual weapon in its own right. So you have an overarching federal law passed by Congress, which is treating these items as firearms and weapons in their own right. But the state of Illinois just wants to completely disregard that. They say, ignore that. It doesn't matter. Second, they tried to position the Second Amendment and the protection of arms as only actual guns or firearms when it just says arms. And then that includes all types of other items, uh, magazines, um, you know, optics, uh, sights, all types of other things could be protected as arms. The state also makes a blanket claim that suppressors are not used for self-defense. Now, I know plenty of people who own and have suppressors on their home defense rifles. A lot of people use them for self-defense. So that is just a blanket statement that they are using that is not protected by any true fact at all. Also, self-defense is not the only conduct protected by the Second Amendment. Self-defense is important, but the Second Amendment also ensures that the people have all arms necessary to protect themselves against a tyrannical government, both foreign and domestic. It's also useful for things like hunting, uh, training, target shooting. So there's a lot of other conduct that is protected by the Second Amendment, not just self-defense. But now the state of Illinois has hit a major roadblock in their arguments that this case should be dismissed and thrown out. Many of you are familiar with the Miller v. Bonta California assault weapon ban case and then also the Duncan v. Bonta California magazine ban case. Recently, Judge Benitez ruled in both of those cases that the California ban on rifles and magazines is in fact unconstitutional. In Miller, the state of California tried to make similar arguments that these types of rifle restrictions, their restrictions on certain rifle accessories and configurations, certain features, um, did not violate the Second Amendment. They argued because those features and accessories are not arms, and therefore the restriction on them does not violate the Second Amendment. But Judge Benitez ruled that that was incorrect. He found that these types of configurations, these features are arms and therefore protected and you cannot ban them. California also tried to argue in Duncan that magazines also in their own right are not arms protected by the Second Amendment. They said that you don't have a right or to have access to any type of magazine that you want. Again, that type of argument was rejected by Judge Benitez. And now both of those cases are currently up for review in the Ninth Circuit. And there's a lot of shenanigans going on in the Ninth Circuit. But here in this case in Illinois, in this Illinois suppressor case, the plaintiffs have submitted these two cases, Miller and Duncan, to the judge for support for why the court should deny Illinois' motion for judgment on the pleadings and the request to throw this case out. And the judge in this case has accepted those supplemental authorities, so he is taking them into consideration as well in this Illinois suppressor lawsuit. So this is why all two-way cases and all two-way wins in all jurisdictions are very important. A win in California against the magazine ban and the rifle ban is now being used 
in the support authority, in the support documents to help the Illinois suppressor case and in helping it to try to move forward. Then the potential Illinois suppressor case, if there's a win here, then that decision could also be used and submitted as supplemental authority to maybe try to attack California suppressor ban or maybe Hawaii suppressor ban or other types of suppressor bans that are in place. I think this is kind of an open and shut case to reject the state's motion for judgment on the pleadings and to get rid of this case, but we'll have to wait to see what the judge decides to do. But it's a good sign that the judge here is also considering what just happened in Miller and Duncan as support for why he should potentially reject this request by the state of Illinois to throw out the Illinois suppressor case. So that's the update with the Illinois suppressor freedom case. Now let's transition to what is happening with Illinois and PICA and the rifle and magazine ban that is in place in the state of Illinois and is being challenged in the Supreme Court. And let's talk about what the Supreme Court recently did in these cases. Yesterday, while I was out training out at the range uh, doing the Achilles seal tactical training, the um, baseline carbine, I saw some news hit and there was a bunch of news surrounding the fact that the Supreme Court recently denied two emergency injunction relief, uh, two emergency requests, essentially asking for the Supreme Court to put a temporary halt on the statewide rifle magazine ban in the state of Illinois. Now, the two cases we're going to be breaking down and talking about in this video and discussing what happens now are the Culkins v. Pritzker case and then also the NAGR v. Naperville case. These cases involve a challenge to the Protect Illinois Communities Act, or PICA, which placed an unconstitutional restriction on rifles and magazines. PICA also requires a registration requirement for certain firearms to be grandfathered in for these individuals in Illinois to be able to continue to possess them. And there is a registration deadline in a registration period that is set to end at the beginning of next year. Now, these two cases have two different procedural backgrounds and histories, which are also very important, especially in light of what recently happened with the Supreme Court denials. In Culkins, the case was originally brought in an Illinois state lower court who on review entered summary judgment against the state of Illinois, declaring that this ban on rifles and magazines was unconstitutional for denying equal protection under the law. Now, of course, in response, the state of Illinois then appealed the decision up to the Illinois State Supreme Court. And on review, the Illinois State Supreme Court reversed the lower court's decision. And in that case, there were also a bunch of concerns about some contributions that went to two of those Illinois State Supreme Court judges. Um, there is some information that two of those judges potentially received millions of dollars from the defendants involved in the case, and maybe that led to some bias, and maybe they should have either been disqualified or recused themselves. So that's also part of this Culkin's case. Now, after that Illinois State Supreme Court decision, the plaintiffs in this case then filed a writ of cert to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, what is critical for what is now happening in this case is the fact that the state of Illinois also filed a notice of waiver to the U.S. Supreme Court. In the waiver, the state of Illinois identified that they will not file the required response brief, which was actually required to be filed by December 14th, which they did not meet. Now, in response, the Supreme Court accepted that waiver from the state of Illinois and then actually set this case, Culkins, to be reviewed, considered at conference on January 5th. So that's also important to keep in mind that even despite the recent emergency injunction denials by the U.S. Supreme Court in this Culkins case, there's still a conference set for review in this case for potential consideration by the full court, and that is on January 5th. Now, in the meantime, while that traditional writ cert was filed, Culkins and the plaintiffs here also filed for an additional emergency stay request pending Supreme Court review by Justice Barrett. What this means is that on top of the traditional writ filed by Culkins, 
There was also an additional filing of an emergency stay request that went to Justice Barrett for her or the full court to issue a stay on PICA at least until the court decided what they wanted to do after January 5th. Well, again, yesterday we received an order by Justice Barrett that simply states, Colkin's application denied by Justice Barrett. So this emergency stay request was denied by Justice Barrett and did not go to a full court consideration in a full court denial. So one important thing that I want to point out with this and this denial by Justice Barrett specifically is the fact that since she denied it on her own and didn't go to a full court consideration and full court denial, that means that there is a potential still that emergency request could be refiled to a new justice. Under the Supreme Court's rules, when by either Justice Thomas or Alito, or there was any understanding by any of those super pro to a conservative justices that the Supreme Court was not going to review this issue at all, that they were going to let these complete bans on rifles and magazines stand and then potentially open the floodgates for other states. You would think that they would at least issue some sort of language or dissent in these denials, but we didn't see any of that, especially we didn't see any of that in the NHR case, which went to a full court consideration. Remember, Justice Thomas is the one who not only authored Bruin, but before Bruin was authored, the prior Supreme Court had considered multiple cases, multiple to a cases, and multiple times in dissents, like the California waiting period case Sylvester, uh, Justice Thomas stated that his colleagues were treating the Second Amendment like a second class right. And if you want to get this shirt, which states that the Second Amendment is not a second class right, you can find it using the links below. This is an armed scholar shirt. So if you guys want to support the channel and then also get something that clearly states that the Second Amendment is not a second class right, you can find this shirt using the links below. So again, I think something is potentially brewing because if there wasn't, I would have no doubt at least Justice Thomas would have made a statement in these denials. So definitely not the perfect situation. We would have wanted the Supreme Court to issue some sort of injunction and some sort of temporary relief for these cases to move forward, for gun owners to be protected because of this looming registration deadline. But of course, like I mentioned, the Supreme Court has denied emergency relief in two of these cases. I suspected that they would. I said that in multiple videos, but there are still some options where these cases can move forward. Um, there are some options for some potential relief. Like I said, the Colkins case could refile for some sort of emergency relief to another justice like Justice Thomas, but it's definitely becoming more of a dire situation for those gun owners in Illinois. I understand your frustration and your concern because of these Supreme Court denials, and we will have to watch these closely moving forward, see what develops, and if anything else changes, I will let you guys know. So that's a quick overview of some of the major things that have recently happened and developed in the two-way world. I hope you guys enjoyed this recap video, this recap episode of the podcast. If you guys like this type of uh, podcast, make sure you leave reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you listen. Also make sure you're following the podcast on whatever audio format that you're listening. And again, share the podcast, share the news because that is the best way that you can help to grow the podcast and we can put out more episodes like this. So again, thank you guys so much for all of your support and never forget this nation was built by arm scholars and this nation will be maintained by arm scholars.